The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year, brother. I just wanted to basically just talk a little bit, see how everybody's doing, see what's going on. Man, I got to give you another congratulations. Big old sergeant up in here now on the new promotion. Salute. So, hey, man, pa pass on some words of wisdom. How, how has it been being a new supervisor? What have you seen? Is Do you see things differently? Uh, yeah, man, I see things a lot differently. Uh, I think one of the hardest, hardest things that Justin was – um, I'm such a, um, I'm gonna keep it professional. I don't want to say shit magnet, but I'm such a proactive guy, um, <laughs> that I have to realize that, you know, now I'm in a stage where a lot of the guys on uh, my squad are a lot younger than I am. These guys, you know, come, some of them, I got one guy ranging from, he's been a cop for maybe, um, 16 weeks. Um, and I got another guy, a couple guys that's, you know, three, four years in. So, uh, I can still be proactive, but I got to kind of do it more strategically because, you know, SARS can't really get getting tied up, and especially from the watch commander. So it's trying to take a back seat and be more of a supervisor and a role model and to kind of give those guys room to grow and, and, and insert uh, my not where I need to fit in. It's, it's been good, man. It's been, it's been peaceful. So um, I like to tell my guys all the time, no matter what the department morale or, or, or culture is, uh, we can control what we can do on our squad. So I try to keep the morale on our squad very high. I try to keep guys positive, keep motivated, um, and, and put them in places where they can grow and learn and, and be successful and then just always remind them to have their back. So it's been great, man. And the positivity goes a long way. That's what I tell people is we can only control what we can control. Yeah. There's stuff bigger than us or outside of our span of control. There's no sense in letting the negative energy affect what we do in us. Facts. So – I agree. Oh, man, you're not one of those sergeants that makes the traffic stop, winds up with a whole bunch of stuff, and then bails back to the station and leaves the guys with all the work, is it? Are you? Oh, bro. Yeah, you, look, I tell you all the time, bro. You catch it, you clean it. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I catch it, the most thing I have those guys do is transport for me because I don't have a cage in my car. So <laughs> I don't have a cage. So I make them transport it. But no, it's, you know, we do everything together, man. I believe in Wolfpacking, you know. Uh, a lot of people on scene are like, man, why do you, why are there so many cops here? I'm like, man, look, we, we wolf pack and that's how, that's how we operate, man. You know? So I get out there and get my mud, get my feet dirty, stop cars with them. Uh, if we get a, if we get a traffic stop where there's a large amount of, you know, drugs or property, then we, we separate it. I go in and I help, help bag evidence, help put evidence in for them, um, do their arrest reports, get that stuff submitted to them and try to get those guys out. Hey, I, I type warrants up for them. I said, look, I'll type the warrants up. You go down and get your temp number, go swear to it. And I'll send you a arrest report to the printer that way get these guys in and out faster doing some of that paperwork ahead of time. So it's all about working together, man, and doing things together, man. You know, so that, I mean, that's how I preach. We, all, we do everything together, bro. You know, I love I, it. I tell those guys to do anything that I'm not doing, you know, so nah, I'm not one of those guys. I love it. See, you're still doing the military thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm still on order just, for a few more months. Just, like you just got back from tour, man, with that thick old mustache and that hat on. What's the, what's the hey, man, we're in the middle of a training cycle right now, man. So I got to keep the shades clean. <laughs> Despite all the stuff going on, I talked to you on the side. You still miss the, the police game. Yeah, real bad, man, real bad. Uh, my heart has always been for the people, for the job, for the streets. So uh, until I get back out there, man, I'll miss it. You're anxious to get back, huh? Um, I'm looking forward to that day. Hey, so let me ask you this while we're here. See, what do you miss most about uh, law enforcement? What do you miss most about it? If there was, if there's a couple things that you could list out that you missed the most, you know, um, give us some of the pros and cons, and you know, first starting off with your um, so talk, starting at a macro level, um, I feel like I'm at my best when I'm helping other people. Right. So by default, that's what you do when you when you're out there on patrol 12 hours a day, you're helping other people. Um, so whether that be in a professional capacity or just with brothers, I feel like I'm at my best when I'm making somebody else's life better. Um, and I genuinely miss that. Then just if you get down to the dynamics of the job specifically, uh, you know, it, it's, it's nothing else like going into the unknown, uh, going into chaos and trying to restore order, man. So. It's the nature of the work that I miss. Hey, so I'll tell you what, I took a little bit of a break with the military and everything, and then I came back. One of the things that was refreshing for me, I got to tell you, I I'm lucky, and I don't advertise where I work or anything, so I, I don't say that intentionally, but it's nice to know for the people that are not law enforcement that might be tuning in here, I got to tell you, seeing what you see on the news and in the media all the time every day, and then I go to work, and I'm in good areas and not so good areas, people are still happy to see us. People are appreciative. People are thankful. It's like it, it reignites a fire underneath me. It makes me want to do more. It's, it's nice, man. I, I got to tell you, being, being away, I was a little concerned when I got back what I was going to expect and what I was going to see. It's not what's on TV. I don't know if you guys have the same thing, but no, that's I'm, how it is with me. It's been the same for me. I haven't spent any time out of law enforcement guys but uh here just yesterday just uh sunday working day shift and i sat down with the guys that have breakfast so this is something we try to do every day shift is sit down to breakfast and just try not to talk about cop work just talk about home life and you know just just to break bread together we try to do it uh, once a month when we do it on shift. uh and we sit at the table and we sit there having a coffee talk nice couple walk up and they put a hundred dollar bill on the table. guys there's not this isn't enough for what you guys you guys don't get paid enough. I want to let you, let you know that we appreciate you. Cover your breakfast this morning, and then they just walk off. Like I, couldn't, oh, I hey, no, do that. They, they literally just walked off service. Um, so you know, had breakfast. We didn't go crazy because we had a hundred dollar bill. Went out and ordered the extra. Um, so what I do was to you know, order our food, uh, pay for it, and whatever we left. You know, we left a healthy waiter. So. Um, but it's it's nice, man. That kind of that kind of grounds you and it reminds you why you started. So that's good. I agree with that, Rich. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest too. I still went to a couple places. I spoke to a couple people, and some people are just not going to like you. You know, yeah. one of the, one of the guys was just giving me a hard time, and I was like, man, what did I do to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just showed up. I said, I'm in a great mood. It's a beautiful day out. You guys called about, you know, you don't like this person's dog barking and you don't like this person's kid walking by your, your garage. And 
listen, if that's the biggest problem that you guys both have going on with each other, we're okay. And the guy's like, man, the police are doing nothing. Hey, it was the beard, man. When you got a nice, distinguished beard like that, those of us that can't get one get a little envious. So you just got to take that on the chin. Yeah, man, for sure, bro. For sure. Well, on a serious note, I'll tell you, and not to blindside you or anything, but I know both of you are pretty big on the mental health and everything. Uh, a couple of us from our group, we just got back from a uh, a dual, a joint funeral, if you will, from two deputies down here in Florida that really, really tragically took their own life and committed suicide. I'm happy to see the two of you with your respective agencies playing a role. We have to do more in, in this community, in this profession. We've had way too much in Florida. I don't know how North Carolina is. I can only assume it's, it's not great either since both of you guys are actively talking about it. But it's sad, not speaking specifically about today or these two deputies, but just in general, there's still some agencies, there's still some leadership out there that want to ignore mental health. They treat it like a stigma. It blows my mind. You guys still feeling the same thing, or is everybody kind of on board over there? I mean, for, for my agency, we, uh, within the past year, we launched the peer support team. Um, after we put it together, put the policies in place, uh, we rolled it out, did presentations for, for all the troops. Um, and I do know that it has been re well received from both the command and some officers. I know there's been a couple officers actually taking advantage of what we offer. So I think we're moving in the right direction at my specific department. Uh, and to follow up with that, obviously you, you've been involved. So you know, talking with C uh, and kind of wanting to utilize the model that he's using his agency. Uh, I've been looking over the policies that he sent over and, and the PowerPoint that he sent over to kind of get the, get the ball rolling with uh, in my agency, we just experienced an officer off last week. So it's kind of one of those things that, that are needed. So I've been doing a lot of on my own, you know, reaching out to the troops, especially those involved, um, knowing uh, the situation happened to me last year. A lot of guys have reached out to me and said, hey, look, man, if anybody's experienced any trauma recently, it's you. Um, is there anything that you can recommend uh, to kind of guys out? Is there anything, any way you can reach out to a lot of these guys? And uh, I've done it this week, taking upon my own. I think we need to instill something within the department to make sure that we're taking care of our own um, and we're putting everything in place to kind of keep those guys whole. Cause it's I'm not going to say it's perfect here in Florida, but just a piece of advice, something that if you guys can get the ball rolling in North Carolina, cause your two agencies are somewhat close. Another option is getting it common knowledge with the, within the agencies that, you know, here's a group of guys from this agency that are, certified, trained, want to help, here's a group from this agency. Because sometimes you got guys from within the same agency that don't feel comfortable talking within. But it's nice to know, like I could tell you, we've had people from other South Florida agencies reach out to us. Some of them don't even want to talk to another cop. They're like, hey, I know you guys got civilian volunteers. I know you guys have retired cops that are not active anymore. I mean, stuff like that happens too. So I think just the more resources, the better. We just, it's tough, man. Like I've been, we've been preaching this for four years that if you need help, reach out, say something. But we're at the point now where it's not getting better. It's getting worse. I feel like we need to somehow proactively just almost spoon feed it that here's your resources, you know, and, and almost on a, a yearly basis, if not more, just check in with the guys. Nobody wants to mandate anything, but something's got to change. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're at the point where I agree with you, Rich. Uh, I had a conversation about this with someone else on a podcast, and it, we're, we're at that point where I know we hate to use the word mandate, but something has to change where we have to things in place where you know we require or you have somebody that's going to really ask those hard questions you just have to do it you know what i mean you just i have to be that guy you know and I, i'm willing to be that guy that's going to save a life you know I, I might ask somebody who's going through something they may not or how you know how's how's your home how's your mental and they may not say anything to me in that one moment but because nobody else in the agency is asking that it may not be but you know two weeks two months down the road and they say hey man i know you reached out to me but you know, I, I wasn't willing to talk to you. I didn't know, you know, I didn't, maybe I didn't trust you, but, you know, thanks for reaching out. Uh, can you talk? You know, you kind of wait for those moments to, 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 to happen. So, but I think we're at the point where, like you said, it needs to be mandated, whether it's through some type of training or something, man, but we just can't. I saw the story that you guys are dealing with in Florida. And I just, it just blew my mind, man. It's just, it's sad, bro. Hey, the, the pastor today, Pastor Craig from the West Side Church, uh, one of the things that he said that really, it hit me, and then I spoke to a cadet in the academy locally, and I spoke to a couple other officers and a retired sergeant that's with our team. We all said the same thing. We we're like, wow. He says something along the lines, and I don't want to misquote him, but something along the lines of he, he was a, a combat veteran. He saw some stuff in the combat zone, and then he came back, mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, that was there. That was the military, but with law enforcement – it's a continuous basis of seeing negative, 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 negative. And you just continuously see this stuff over and over and over. You, you just never know, you know, when it's going to be too much for somebody or the toll it takes on somebody. So looking at the comments, uh, John, who's one of my guys, he, he works super and see, he said, you can only do so much with your agency, but if your agency doesn't want to put the effort to change something, what do you do? And that's what that's what I think Chris was talking about, you know, putting these programs. As, I know here specifically in North Carolina, I can speak publicly about this uh, this group. But NC Leap, who uh, Cornell or C put me on to, they've been great. Uh, those guys over there have been great. So those of you who are here that are uh, in North Carolina, uh, NC Leap is a great program. Uh, they have uh, tons of classes, tons of forces, tons of guys. TC can speak more on the, on the uh the critical incident uh, class because he's been, I'm applying to go to the one in April, two a year, one in April, one in November. Um, and you can bring your spouses to it. Very specialized classes, depending on your specific situation that you're dealing with, whether it be officer involved, whether it be you just experiencing something that's traumatic. Um, and then I think it's really good. They allow your spouse to come along too, because there's definitely trauma doesn't stop with just the officer. It spreads uh, amongst the department. It spreads to your family. To your family, so uh, it's great that they, they do that. So NC Leap in North Carolina, if you guys are looking for one, that's a great thing. They hooked me up as well. So highly recommended, man. And just you know, you referenced the spouses going. It's they're not just tagging along uh, for the ride. They're actively engaged and their their breakout sessions just for them. Um, truthfully, I would say uh, spouses probably get just as much, in some cases, probably more than the the member themselves. It's real powerful stuff. Highly recommend it. Yeah. I saw two. I saw two comments. I just want to touch on. Somebody commented earlier. They said, "What about the son, the one-month-old child?" Uh, it, it would be out of place or out of line for us to to make a comment. What I can do is I can tell you that there's been a lot of people offering to adopt that child, and it's been very, very clear that 
that child is going to be in good hands, is going to be taken care of. And there's some stuff going on behind the scenes with family and another member of the agency. And there's just a lot going on. But that child is going to be in good hands and is going to be taken care of. So that's where I'll leave it at that with that. And then somebody else asked about Broward College. We're going to have to reach out again. Um, I, I spoke with somebody from Palm Beach State College a while back. And then a long time ago, I spoke to somebody from Broward College. We we're trying to do something with mental health, but these academies, they're on such a time crunch and they have a certain amount of hours that they have to teach and everything is so crammed in as it is that nobody really, I don't know. We got to do something. We, we got to prioritize the mental health and something has to change. I mean, they got to fit it into the curriculum or add some stuff or do something or have different present presenters, presentations, training. I, I don't know. So yeah, we have to get to these academies. I agree with the er earlier comment. Post-critical incident seminars are offered in multiple states throughout the country at no cost. Yeah, it's not just a North Carolina thing. I know they yeah. got them. Uh, Georgia, I've been to South Carolina. I know New York has some. Uh, there's a few other states that, that are offering them. I'm just throwing that out there because I know your audience is from all over the country. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the other thing, too, is that I would recommend you guys. A lot of times people uh, kind of you look down upon what EAPs. Um, a lot of a lot of times that stuff is free and cost doesn't mean because it's free is the best. But explore those options have available. Look at some of those uh, resources. What are offered sometimes sometimes are not so good, but at least those options are at your expense if you need it. Uh, no charge. I mean, it's out there. Why not try to reach out and use it? Um, and don't be ashamed of it. There's nothing wrong with you know, and that you need to reach out to get help. You know what I mean? Like that's the as Rich talked about that stigma on law enforcement. I think it's because you want to get a counselor or because you need to speak to somebody that you're crazy uh, and you're dealing with some type of, you know, uncontrollable mental issue. No, nah, man, like everybody, trauma, nobody's immune to trauma, you know, uh, and we need to reach out and make those. Um, so you, you I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the EAP programs. I'm, I'm a fan of where it's not supposed to cost you much, but it requires too much legwork in most cases. I, I spoke to a deputy today that told me that they reached out to their EAP and the closest appointment they had was four months out. That's not acceptable. Yeah. If you got a law enforcement officer that's in crisis that needs to talk to somebody, they call the EAP and they finally get a hold of somebody and they get told four months out. That's just not okay. Uh, so my advice to them and my advice to anybody that finds themselves in that situation, don't give up. That's one resource. That's one person. So if your EAP is telling you it's four months for this, no. Give me another name. Give me another person. Move on to the next. Likewise, what I've said before is if you speak to a therapist and you guys aren't jiving, Next, it's like dating. You yep. know, if you guys don't match, move on to the next. Because the wrong therapist can be extremely dangerous to your man. Uh, you know that that's that's crucial, man. You can't you can't trust everybody. I know um, with my shooting incident last year, uh, the therapist that they kind of that I went through, it was kind of like I don't want to say it's it's somewhat through EAP, but um, through the initial brief and F FMRT. It was just not a really. It was not a good experience, man. And I kind of, I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and luckily, uh, NC Elite was able to help and re give me some out outsources and connect me with a guy who was actually um, a retired law enforcement officer in, in the ATF. Uh, he had been involved in about seven critical incidents. He had been shot. He had been stabbed. He had also 
shot and killed someone before. So and the guy was a great, great resource for me. Um, he was able to relate to me, and I mean, it was great. So don't don't settle, like Rich said, don't settle. If it's not good for you, and you don't feel that vibe, you know, move on. You know, swipe swipe right. <laughs> and look, hey, let me just let me piggyback oh. off of his point real quick yes. for the benefit of anybody who's ever in a, a critical incident shooting or anything of that nature. When you go, most agencies, I would say most professional agencies are going to make you go see, um, I guess, I don't know if you call them clinician or therapist, whatever it is. They're going to make you go see somebody. Don't confuse a fitness for duty evaluation with with therapy. Uh, that initial required appointment is, that's a liability management thing. They're making sure that you're okay to go to work. Um, so just don't confuse the two. Go in there. Obviously, you know, answer their questions and give them the information they need. But if you're dealing with issues, you seek other resources as well. 100% agree. Uh, maybe we could all touch on this a little bit. Somebody said, what do you guys contribute most to the rise in mental health? My, my personal opinion, and I would say starting with about 2015, 2016, is Again, me personally speaking, and not a knock on anybody in particular, I got to throw that liability waiver out there. But generally speaking for the profession, I think the lack of support from command staff and the increase in politics and pandering to the media and to local politicians, I think the internal stress has become so much that some people have nowhere to turn. When I first started, and for a couple of years after that, I really didn't feel like I was on my own. I felt like I had the backing of my agency. I felt like I had the backing of my supervisors. I felt like if I got involved in a critical incident, I was, if I did the right thing, I was going to be covered and defended. Nowadays, I don't care where you work. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of community you're in, big agency, small. It doesn't matter. You're literally one call away from your entire life changing and nobody really truly knows how the agency is going to react until that happens. So that's my personal opinion. Uh, I'm fortunate. I work for a very good supervisor, a very supportive supervisor, uh, much like JR attributed earlier. I don't really concern myself with things past that. I focus on if my supervisor is happy with me, I do the best job I could possibly do, and I let everything else fall. But that, that would be my two cents. So a little side note, if you're a command staff or you're a supervisor role, man, just speak up for your officers. Let them feel the support. That, that's my two cents. What do you guys think? Man, I think that's a, a, it's a good question. Uh, it's definitely one worthy of being explored. Uh, just off the top, I think me being in this thing for, I think, 15 years now, uh, the liability of the job has gone up. You know, when I started, you might get killed, you might get fired, but that was really the only thing to be concerned about. Um, now you might end up on CNN or world star YouTube. You might go to prison. Um, the liability is very high. Um, and then in our region, I know, those South Florida cops, y'all making like $200,000 a year, something crazy. But, <laughs> you know, in our region, um, the, the, this market that, that we're in in North Carolina, um, 
is getting pretty expensive and the, the salaries don't match the cost of living. Uh, based on my mathematics, a rookie police officer can't afford to live in the city of Durham uh, on one income. So single male, single female, without a, a partner or other uh, sources of income, you can't afford to live here. And, you know, if you think about, they say the number one or leading cause for divorce is financial stress. Mm-hmm. So you imagine what the quality of life is for a young officer with a young family, kids in daycare, and, that, you know, they got to go home and, and worry about making ends meet, fuss, argue, fight with the wife, and then you send them to work. Um, and they're dealing with, they're carrying all of their, that personal baggage um, to work with them. All of that stuff compounded, man. That's, I mean, that's a recipe for, for disaster. You know, when I first came on the police department, making almost $40,000 a year then I could go make another $3,000 a month working overtime. And back then, because I was a police officer, I, they had what they call courtesy officers. So I had a free apartment. I thought I was rich. Um, that's not the same case for a rookie officer these days. No, I, I think you're right, man. I, it's, it's so many, so many avenues that we can kind of explore when you talk about this, this question. I mean, could, this question alone could be its own live in a sense. Yeah. Um, as, as, as Trice now and I said, immediate supervision is the start of good morale. Uh, and, I, and I totally agree. And it's something that we talk about. You hear a lot of guys that talk about the command staff. We hear this command, 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 command. We put this burden of command on the command staff. While it's so important, I think more importantly, uh, where we need to start is the first line supervision. We always talk about the captains and the majors and, you know, and, and, you know, the assistant chiefs and the, and the assistant deputy chiefs and all that type of stuff. But, those guys that are in that administrative role, while they should be boots on the ground, they do have a responsibility to run the admin side of it. So they're, they're, them kind of coming on the ground with the troops is going to be a little bit lessened just because of their administrative duties. Um, doesn't mean that they, sh- they should be excluded from any type of ridicule, but I think the basis of that morale starts with the first-line supervision. It starts with your senior patrol officers. It starts with your corporals. It starts with your sergeants and your lieutenants. You know, and me being a sergeant, for a year, you know, I look back on my career and the guys that have made the most impact on my career has not been the captains and the majors and the assistant chiefs. It's been my sergeants. It's been my corporals. It's been my lieutenants. So um, that stuff trickles down, you know, down. So if you're if you're a first line supervisor, don't underestimate that role. A lot of times I, I catch myself saying it because I say I'm just a little old sergeant. Um, but that sergeant, you know, is the you know, your sergeant or your corporals and lieutenant. Those are the first guys. Uh, who have the biggest impact on the troops because they're there with them. They're in the battlefield. They're boots on the ground. They're in those beats. They're answering calls. They're side by side. So you get to see those supervisors every day. You might go a month or two weeks without seeing a captain, but you're going to see your corporal, your sergeant, your, your lieutenant every single day. So if you're a, a corporal, a sergeant, lieutenant, or a senior patrol officer who has a little bit of uh, influence, don't underestimate your role. Don't minimize your role because it's so important that you have uh, – you have control of that morale over that squad. You know, I can't sit here as a sergeant and bitch and gripe about low pay morale. It sucks here. I don't want to be here. There's other better departments to these other guys who are three, four, five years in because they're going to say, well, if Sarge can bitch about it, well, I can bitch about it. So now you got a bunch of group of guys who are bitching and complaining and griping whose morale is low. But if they see you come to work and you're positive every day and you want to fire it up, you tell them you got their backs and you want to go out there and, you know, burn the road up with them and tell them, look, guys, we can control what's going on here on this squad. Let's keep a positive attitude. I support you. I back you 100%. Those guys are going – I mean, the, the, what's, what the command is doing is not going to matter. You know what I mean? Uh, you can control that morale on your level. So that's – I want to make sure I point that out before we start saying 
command staff, command staff, chief, sheriff, assistant chiefs. Those guys are initially going to be pulled away. They're working those eight to five. If they're coming in at eight o'clock, you know, nine to three jobs where they're in their offices, you're not seeing them. They're probably not even wearing a vest. Uh, but your <laughs> your first line supervisors are on the ground working with them. So if you're one of those guys, make sure you kind of step up in that role. That role, and uh, and I would say inflate that role and be a, be a positive impact to your to your troops. Sorry, I know it was a lot. No, you're good. I I just pinned the comment. Basically, agrees with everything you said. You see the comment. Uh, indeed, biggest impact, positive or negative, in my career has been corporal and sergeant. Yep. Yep. Spot on. Yep. In your experience, have you had leaders that tell you or show you? I've had both. I'm sure you guys have as well. Yeah, I've had both. Uh, I've had both. And, and I would say um, JBD or JDD. Um, you, I, I would say you learn you learn a lot from good supervisors, but I think you learn the most from bad supervisors. Um, mm. You learn you learn the most about if you if you've ever had a bad supervisor, and if you've been in this profession and you haven't had one, then God bless you. But I know I've had. Uh, but you know what that supervisor didn't do. Uh, so when you become when you walk into that role, you know what to kind of step away from. So um, pay attention to what the good supervisors are doing, but also pay attention to what the bad ones are doing because the bad ones create really good ones. Um, if, if, if you, you know, if you pay attention. So let me hop in real quick. Uh, not to take away from what you just said, rather um, just to kind of go a different direction. So right now in our society, being afraid, not liking the police, whatever the case may be, it's trending. Like that's the, that's the talking point. Internally, you know, uh, command bashing is kind of a trendy thing. And I'm not saying it's, it's not with, is without cause, but it's a trendy thing. Um, but the reality is every individual person, every individual officer is going to be responsible for their happiness, their joy, their sense of fulfillment, um, their morale. Like each person owns that. Yeah. And in any walk of life, professionally or personally, you cannot delegate that sense of fulfillment or joy to anybody else. Um so when you ask me, why do I miss being on the street? I know my why. I know it motivates me. I know my personal ethos. And when you can, when you really get to know yourself, and that comes with some time and some maturity, you know, JR, all of us, we've been doing this more than 10 years. We're a little older. Um, but when you know you and you know what motivates you, you got to tap into that and you got to focus on that. Uh, bad guys are going to be bad guys. Command staff is going to be command staff. Um, you got to take ownership of your own career, of your, of your own happiness. I think that's important. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. One of the things I've been saying lately is attitude is gratitude. And people look at me like I have five heads, but it's true. If I come in in a bad mood, of course I'm going to be angry and pissed off. If I come in feeling thankful for what I got and, and happy, just pleasant and positive, and I start looking at the bigger picture and I, I look at things in a better light, it's it's a domino effect and it flows in a positive direction. So I I a hundred percent agree with you. We're in control of ourselves. Hundred percent. Couldn't agree yeah. more. And yeah, then, I'm, I'm, big, I'm big. I'm big on it. And I, I take this from I take this from CC Senior man. You know he always tells me because I get those. He he not only he not the only person. Uh, you not the only person he calls. See, I, I get those phone calls too. <laughs> phone calls pop. So I you not the only person. Uh, but he always tells me, man, like. Uh, you know, you can't, you control your own happiness. Nobody can take it away from you. You have to willingly give that up. You yeah. know, so, uh, 
Uh, and that's any walk of life. That's whether you're professional, your personal life, you have to willingly give that happiness up and, be, and let somebody rob you of that. I mean, nobody can just take that from you. So, and so my, Man, new, we, my, my buzz for the week, I sent it to you guys in a group text. I've finished three books this week from three different, I don't know if you call it books. I don't know if they're classes, categories, genres, but three completely different books I completed. Did you week. read them or did you listen to them? Audio books or you read them? I listened to them. I have a two hour commute to work, so I get it in the ear. All right. Uh, but the content is the same, actually, regardless of how you take it in. So I completed three books. And coincidentally, all three books talks about the reticular activating system is a part of the brain. Um, everybody should go Google that. But the cool thing about the reticular activating system is a part of the it's a group of neurons in the brain that will validate whatever you condition it to believe. So if everybody says police work is miserable, my command staff sucks, your reticular activating system will actively take in information and data to confirm that. If you realize that you've got a great job, a great opportunity to help people, um, your brain will actually look for information to validate that as well. So particular activating system, go Google it. It's pretty powerful. You put that in the comments, see, so people can... Uh, I got to Google how to spell it first because I listened to it. I didn't read I, it. I just saw you post it on somebody's comment on Facebook, so I think you know how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> No, man, it's it's that's the big thing right now is just our own attitude, and you got to know what you're facing, what you're dealing with. I mean, there's like like C was saying before, there's people out there. It's trending just to agitate us and everything. So knowledge is power too. You got to know what you can do, what you can't do, and just CYA. That's my my biggest advice to people too is let's not put ourselves in unnecessary risks. You know. You still do your job and you can make it as safe as you possibly can. It doesn't mean being lazy, it just means being smart. Exactly. You got and that's the thing. Now, you know, even in eleven years I've been in law enforcement, it's changed uh from in in the short eleven years that I've been in it, it's changed. It's not the same, you know. So I tell these young guys and young guys and girls that are coming into this line of work that you know, being the police now is different than it was even 10 years ago. It's completely different. You got to be smart. You can still be the police. You can still go out here and run down and do the thing, but you just got to be tact about it. You know, uh, you, you document things, cross your I's, dot your T's. You got to be, you know, you got to know what you're doing. I mean, you can't just be out here guessing anymore. It's too dangerous to just guess and, 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 and fly by the pin by. You got to, you got to, you got to do some digging and you got to document, you got to know and be smart, man. Um, and to piggyback off, to, to comment on what uh, JDB said, he mentioned that, you know, he tries to turn away from it, but it just keeps coming. Dude, it's, I was told by a captain when I first got here that this profession is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, and people are going to talk negative. You're going to hear negativity all the time. You, gotta, you have to turn that stuff away. There's been so many times where I've had guys come to work and they're talking about how we, it sucks. We don't get any paid or this morale. And I don't blast them in front of the whole squad. I might pull them to the side and say, hey, look, man, you know, and give them that speech. Like, I understand you're upset and it's okay to be upset, but some things that you put out, the energy that you put out, it can affect a lot of people. It, it's going to affect it. Just like, just like she said, the, what did you call it? The, what? Reticular the activating system. Activating system is going to pick it up. So if I got one guy coming to work and he's in, and his reticular activating system is, is, is beaming off all this negative energy, then mine, everybody's going to take that in. We're going to start all taking it in. We're going to start believing what we're hearing. So um, you got to nip that stuff in the butt, man. Don't get into, don't get involved into the guy negative energy, man, kind of try to deflect that stuff and turn it positive, so.
Hey, you know what? Here, here's an open-ended question, and it, it just kind of crossed my mind as you were saying how police work has changed. I wonder if some of the frustration and some of the disconnect between the troops, so to speak, and command staff is that, you know, maybe as you promote up, policing has changed, but it's different now. So when you were doing things one way, you were able to do th the job that, that way. Now policing has changed. You expect people to be perfect by the book, X, Y, and Z, cross your T's, dot your I's, so to speak, but you forget, you know, where you came from or maybe how you used to do the job. I don't know. I, you got me thinking now a little bit. No, man, I, I like that. Um, if I could put my two cents in on that, man, I think what's, what's going to happen and, and um, being in law enforcement, I think, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster. There's a, there's a lot of ups and downs. And what I, what I think is happening right now is why we're seeing such a big change is because a lot of, a lot of these agencies, uh, your, your command staff, a lot of these guys that are older, close to retirement, they're on the verge. These guys are going to be out of here, you know, in the next five years. And they're used to doing it the old way. Hey, why, you know, you, you've heard that sanitary department. Why do we do this? Because we, we've always done it. Um, but now what we're starting to see agency, is that a lot of the promotion uh, processes now are a lot more younger guys. So you have a lot of younger guys that are, are like my mindset who are coming in, who are, it's, it's fresh, new ideas, equipment changing. A lot of these guys, you know, your captains and, you know, your majors and assistant chiefs, a lot of these guys, they're old school, you know, so they don't believe in, they don't, they don't understand. Like for me, I try to tell my captain, I say, hey, look, let's try to transition to more of a comfortable BDU style uniform for patrol. One that looks more, it still looks professional, but BDU style pants, maybe a collared shirt, an outer carrier vest, because it, it's about comfort. But they're so locked into the old school, they believe, hey, when I was a police, we were out there and we wore our patrol hats and everything else. It, it's different. It's different now, you know. You know, it's it's that uniform is extremely uncomfortable. So if I can do one thing to make the guys more comfortable, and, and, and as far as apparel, get them out of that uniform, put them in a more BDU style comfortable uniform, they're going to work harder for me. They're going to be able to come, you know, come to work, be excited about, hey, I don't have to wear this stupid class A uniform with a tie and a freaking, you know, campaign hat. Um, I can come to work and be relaxed, and I can be comfortable and do my job. So the a lot of times the older way of thinking is kind of like it's out of it. And now we're starting to see a lot of those guys, your captains and your lieutenants, those guys are, you know, your lieutenants and your captains, they're starting to retire. And now the, the new fresh blood is coming up. And I think that's what we need in this profession is young, fresh blood. It'll be interesting to see because that's where change comes. You got innovative people, creative thinkers, you know, we'll see. Yep. Now we can just, if we can just bring C home and get him, get him back on that promotion train. Number 22. I miss fall, I miss fall look, twenty two. I miss you on them streets, man. Look, Rich, you don't understand. This guy is the he's probably the most. He, he, he got he well, you know this because he got a little swagger about him. The so streets he, are happy he's away. No, man, that's why it's chaos in the streets because he's not here. If, <laughs> if, if this stuff didn't happen until C left, man. <laughs> the, the streets didn't go rampant until C left. They know he gone, so not backing up. But I'm telling you, when he come back and he got those 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 shiny. Class A boots on. He he wears these he wears this, these these Class A boots that are real shiny. You know the the kind that you don't have to really polish. The one that you just, <laughs> you just put water on. He got one of those. Pictures. Windex um, man, Windex. Windex joints. You know. Yeah. So when C out here, like I, things are safe. You know what I mean? Like I would <laughs> I probably wouldn't have got shot if C would have been if C would have been here, man. You know if C. Hey man, you see uh, you see the you see the comment. What is that? <laughs> 
He's all right. Don't guess that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see the comments, man. Who's that? <laughs> oh, that's that's Coach Lee Jackson, fellow lieutenant. <laughs> hey, man. Can you, hey, you got to shout him out, man. That man just made lieutenant, boy. Hey, listen. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going to shout him out. This guy, Coach Lee Jackson right here, um, really, 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 really great guy, man. Really smart, very tact. You know, he's, he's a pretty boy, um, but he's really smart. And he's really tact. Um, just left a, a local agency here and moved on to another agency. He left the agency as a – he left his previous agency as a PO1, police officer, just a normal beat cop. Um, got hired on the new agency right as a sergeant, and within, the, within a year, this guy's been promoted to lieutenant. Uh, he's also a varsity basketball coach at one of the local high schools, so he's very integrated in the community. Um, so I want to take the time out to say that's my brother. Like, I break bread with him. I salute you, man. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for you. Uh, looking forward to linking with you soon and and, um, and all your future endeavors, man. I think you, 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 you're worthy of that position, and I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, next 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 stop, man, we're going we're gonna to skip Lieutenant and go straight to Chief. That's <laughs> we're going straight to Chief next. Hey, I'll, t I'll tell you what. Somebody in that position tuning into a podcast like this, it already speaks for itself. That's somebody that's a free thinker. You yeah. know, I like that. Yep. Yeah, he's I, a. That's that's one. That's one. That's one of our guys, man. He's homegrown, so cultural that's, ambassador. Yeah, I, I saw a good. But, I saw Goodfellas of Orlando uh, said she was happy to see us laugh. Man, if you guys ever make your way to Central Florida, Orlando area. You guys probably have the spot too, but that's our spot. That's our safe haven. They love us in there. They love law enforcement, first responders, military, and we love places like that. What's the what's the name of what's the name of the spot? Goodfellas of Orlando. What is that? A pizza spot? Pizza spot, Italian spot. They've got some amazing bread. I I, I would man, JR is gonna be mad at me for saying that. No, no, don't tell me about bread. You know how I see feel about bread. <laughs> Hey, I'm a year clean, fellas. <laughs> I, I would have been I would have been good on just the bread. I didn't eat anything else. The bread was amazing. Oh man, I gotta check them out. I gotta get them a follow, man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good, man. I, that that laughter is good, you know. And, and this group, a lot of people don't know, man. Like you guys that are just kind of tuning in. A lot of you know Rich. Some of you may know. I have some of my guys in here, but this is this is common. This is something that we don't just do. We do this every day. This group is going on every day. This is just a live thing. This group, these three right here, these two guys right here, man, like it's constant. You know what I mean? Uh, so don't. This is this laughter that we that we kind of give off is we just we're just giving it to you guys for free right now. We just uh, <laughs> we, we do it every day. So the the truth is, C misses me. That's what it is. That's real. You, know, you want to see my you, know, you came back with the with the with the uh, the beer and everything, man. You didn't have that when you were up here with me. But look, to that point, to that point, I want to kind of circle back because y'all talked about the mental health earlier. And I wanted to say this on this call for the benefit of those that may be watching, right? Uh, we could talk about command, the profession, and all these other things about mental health. But I know JR, Rich, we say this all the time. It's, it's imperative. If you don't speak to a, a therapist, a clinician, find a peer support team, it's important to have this right here. Uh, like mm -hmm. JR said, We've got a group chat, and we talk about any and everything, current events, personal issues, just soundboard off of each other. Uh, and I can speak for myself. These two dudes are daily factors in my life um, that it has nothing to do with law enforcement. Just it's good to have good brothers, good sisters in your corner that you can lean on uh, for any and everything, man. These guys have been there for me in ways they don't even know they've been there. So with that being said, uh, I know JR recently lost a good friend. We just buried uh, one of our well-respected, recently retired sergeants that was near and dear to my heart, 
lost another good mentor a few months back. So while y'all are here, and before everybody, I want to tell you guys, thanks for being my brothers. Thanks for being in my corner. Um, and that's a part of my daily uh, mental health program is just being able to have some good folks that I can lean on. That's important. So I appreciate y'all. Man, that's, bro, that's good, bro. That's uh, yeah. how, do, how do either one of us follow that up? I don't know, bro. That's tough, man. I, you know, what I thought, you say is, I thought she was gonna drop a tear or something right there. You hear that? Nah, man, it's real. I, I you know, and you know what's crazy is, um, you know, between COVID and officer involved and with all this crazy stuff that's going on, man, people are going away from here. I mean, that's a reality. Um, and YouTube specifically, uh, I wanted you to hear from me in in this setting right here versus having to speak at your funeral and tell the world how great you are, man. So, I love you, dudes. I appreciate y'all having my corner. And uh man, who is this? And that's the big rig. The goat is in the building. <laughs> yeah, man. But no, boys, I think I think that's important, man. That friendship, that that camaraderie, I think that that is is more important to mental health than than any clinician out there, bro. No, hey, bro. Look, I I love you too, bro. Like no doubt, bro. Like you always one of my guys. You know how I say I reach out. I'm like, look, can I get two minutes? It's never been a time that I called you, and just to kind of get. Whether it's you know about an idea or something like that that you haven't said, if you don't pick up, you say, "Hey, look, let me click right back," and you, and you always follow. Me. I hey man, let's hear from up top. What you got for us, big bro? Come on, big bro. Come on, big. What's bro. up, fellas? What's going on? How's life on the retired side? Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. I miss the clowns, but I don't miss the circus. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you post that last week too. Yes, sir. Hey, look, he, he couldn't come in at a better time, man. So give us some longevity pointers, man. How we make it to the end of this race? Listen, easy. Treat people with dignity. Treat people with respect. Stay humble. Don't disrespect anybody. We are there for everyone, the good guys and the bad guys, right? Make sure everybody makes it home at the end of the day. Good guys and bad guys alive. And that's the that's the key to the longevity right there. That's it. Simple. 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 Man, I gotta I gotta tell you, see, I couldn't agree more with you. It's healthy to have something like this. And me personally, I've learned from everybody. Um Angel, the two of you, uh Drew Breezy, I see he just popped up over here. There's incidents that come up, especially critical incidents, controversial incidents. It's really healthy for us to bounce these incidents off of others, see a different perspective. I, I'm always learning. I'm always I, learning. You know, for me, right, I've been, I've been out already seven years, right? I did 22 years. I've been out seven. You look like you're in your 30s. How could that yeah, be? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the old of Olay. It's the old of Olay. <laughs> Listen, what, what gets me is when... I get the old guys saying, why are these cops dancing? Why are these cops making these videos? Listen, bullshit, right? This is what, this is the new era of policing. Cops have to dance. They have to make these videos. They have to connect with the kids in the community. This is all, this is the new community policing. For, for these old salty dogs to get down on everybody and, and criticize them when they're not out there anymore, things have changed, right? When I left patrol in 2004 when I became a detective. There were no cell phone cameras out there when I left patrol. There were not cameras on every building, on every corner, in every street, in every city. It was different, right? The shit that I did when I was on patrol, I did patrol for 12 years. The shit that I did when I was on patrol, you guys can't do on patrol now. It's different. It's different. <laughs> you have to adjust. 
You have to adjust. Yeah, as, that's real. As society evolves, police work evolves. We are never above reproach. We can never act like we're above reproach. We can never act like we're better than anybody else. You can't take the shit personal. It's work. Leave it at work. Go home. Be with your family. Love your family. Love your kids. Love your wife. Look at these two cops. They killed themselves as St. Lucie sheriffs. I mean, they left a one-month-old baby behind. Mm-hmm. It's not... I mean, listen, everybody has their demons. I lost my first partner in 1996 to suicide on the 11th. It's going to be her, her anniversary of her killing herself. We don't know what demons everybody has. The bottom line is you got to... You can't take this shit personal, and you have to get home safe to your families and of sound mind and body. It's not only about getting home in one piece physically. You got to get home one piece and me- mentally. Yeah. that's good you know know, and the other thing too uh i was talking to one of our guys he he did 33 years with the sheriff's office he retired as a sergeant and one of the things he said is he's busier now retired than he is when he was active but he said he worked for a great agency he didn't have any complaints about command staff or anything like that but he said as soon as he was gone he was gone yeah. So yeah. to the to the people that let the profession consume them and work and work and work and sign up for all the overtime and feel like they can't say no to certain things, you got to because when your time is up, and Angel can probably attest to this, when your time is up, you're replaced before you even leave that door. Easy. When you're on the job, you're the best, and when you're retired, you're a pest. Try calling <laughs> up and asking for a favor when you're gone. Let me tell you something. The NYPD, we got thirty-five thousand cops. The, the third largest army in the free world. I can call a precinct and tell them I'm a retired detective and they will put me on hold for 45 minutes to an hour. People, listen, the job, the job doesn't love you back, right? It, it, it shouldn't be who you are. Listen, I'm a big, and you know, I'm a big advocate on Twitter. That's my thing. I go hard for my for my active guys because I know you guys can't talk and you guys can't freely express yourself because of the ramifications and the, the retaliation or whatever the case may be, right? Which is fine. There's social media rules, whatever the case may be. And I'm what, in New York and NYPD circles, I'm what they call a buff, right? I love the job. I love being a cop. I love out there kicking doors down, doing my thing, locking up bad guys. But at the end of the day, the job doesn't love you back. You have to make sure. And the, the, the best advice that I can give to all the guys that are active on the job now is build your resume. Get your shit together. Because retired cops are a dime a dozen. And if you get on the job like me when you were 21, I retired at the age of 43, going on 44, 22 years on the job. And look, now I'm in the private sector. I work for a major utility company. I run their security there's life after the job. You got to prepare yourself for life after the job, physically and mentally. 100%. Well, Rich, when you grab that question, that's a great question that uh, JD's posted right there. Do you fellas share your days with your wives, good and bad? I don't have a wife to share that with, but uh, I will tell you, personally speaking, like even when I talk to my mom, you know, I, I have a very good relationship with my family. I, there's things that I keep guarded that I don't feel it's necessary to share. There's things that I love to share. Um, you you got to target your audience. When I've got stuff that hits me hard or that's emotional or, or just takes a little bit of an extra toll, to be honest with you, I reach out to the two of you guys. And then I've got one or two other people over here from the organization that I feel comfortable 
de-stressing, de if you will, by just venting and sharing. You had to. Sense. My part of it was right. Like my last homicide was a six month six month old uh, baby girl who was who was killed by her father. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, she was three months old. Her name was Jayla Johnson. She was killed by her dad. When I got home, it was the first time I ever cried in the grand jury when I testified. I had just done her autopsy. I had just, uh, I went with the mother to buy her clothes for her burial. I mean, it was a whole overwhelming thing. I was up for like 18 hours straight. I didn't get no sleep. I went home and I knelt by my daughter's bed and I cried. That's important. Stuff like that, people don't see that. It's not something that we brag about, but stuff like that is important. You have to let that out. My daughter, to this day, she's 22 years old now. She doesn't know that I did that. It was important for me to kneel by her bed and look at her and watch her breathe that day. It kept my sanity. It kept me in one piece. That's important. We have to let that stuff go, whether it's broadcasted out there for everyone to see or we do it in our private moments. You have to get this stuff off your chest because we're not built to, 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 to take this on alone. Human beings are not built to take this on alone. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to hear you say that because so many people are so quick to say the old school cops don't know this or don't do this or don't believe in this. But this is the stuff that people need to see is real. We're human. We're not robots. That's right. 100%. Yeah, that's, that's real. And just to piggyback off of that, J.D., I think you've got to talk about it. I don't necessarily say, you know, even with my wife, I don't want to say I talk about everything. There's probably some stuff that I really, because, again, I talked about how trauma spreads. Um, I have a, you know, if there's something that's really bothering me, I, you know, I have a pretty open relationship with my wife to talk about anything, but some things, sometimes I want to protect her from the trauma that I'm exposed to. So I want to, I may want to talk to another cop or somebody else who's, who's used to that, who understands it versus kind of um, projecting that onto her because you got to be careful because a lot of that trauma and the, the worry that I'm dealing with, I can project that same worry on her. And she's probably already dealing with some of that worry by me getting in uniform and leaving you know my three girls and her at home uh to protect a whole bunch of strangers so they're they're already dealing with a lot of trauma and worry themselves uh whether it's small whether it's large so you got to be careful sometimes too about and very strategic about what you talk to them about because you can't be projecting drama, trauma unwanted trauma on them um so that's just something to be careful about and it's it's important too to let them know that you see them and that you hear them mm -hmm. and you know that it's not about trying to keep stuff from them for the wrong reasons. It's important to let them know, hey, baby, listen, I feel you. I see you. I know you want to know how my day was, but I just can't right now. It was mm -hmm. just too much. You know, I'm doing this to protect you. There's a difference between protecting them and shutting down completely. When you shut down completely and you don't give them that explanation or you don't give them the, 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 the breakdown of, hey, listen, this is why I'm keeping this from you, then it creates an issue, right? Because they feel like you're hiding stuff from them. So you have to, under, you have to let them know that, hey, I understand your concern for me. I love you. I feel the love. I feel the concern, but I have to deal with this my way first, and then later I'll be able to talk to you. Because time, time brings it out. There's certain things that you go through that, you may not want to talk about that exact day, but you, you'll find yourself two, three days later, two, three weeks later, that you'll say to yourself, wait a second, I got to share this with somebody. You know, um, somebody has to know about this. I have to tell them what I saw because it, it haunts you. It haunts you. I mean, I have 
stuff now, like I said, I've been off the job seven years. I still have nightmares. You know, I still, I held a man and I had him die in my arms. An old guy, he was robbed uh, by a, like a 17 year old kid who shot him and killed him. And I held him and he died in my arms. I still have nightmares about that today. Oh. Um, you know, th this stuff is, it's, it's tough. It's a tough job. It's a tough, it's a tough fucking job. And if you, if you allow it to consume you and you don't share that with people that love you, it's not going to go well. Wow. Let me see this, let me see this real quick. <laughs> uh, just got home from a 17 hour shift and today had me almost snap. There has to be a safer way for us to speak about wrongful doings in department for officers. So I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't care where you work, you gotta have a trusted resource. We have cops from Chicago, NYPD, consistently message us when that jackass was in Miami, uh, Art Acevedo, we had people from Miami reaching out on a daily basis about he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing, you won't believe this, you won't believe, we're a trusted source. Reach out to us confidentially, anonymously, but we're not the only ones. Hit up Cornell, hit up JR, hit up Angel. There's plenty of people, especially the retired guys that don't mind being vocal. They get it. Trust me. You got to get that off your chest. You just have to be careful who you do it to. One of, my, one of my biggest mantras is no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. Nobody, right? Yep. We don't, we don't, there's no room for bad police, you know, and... What a lot of people don't understand is wanting to hold bad police accountable doesn't make you anti-cop, right? That doesn't mean that you're, that you're against the police. You're against bad police. And 99.9% .9 of us who are on the job or retired, we're against bad police too. But, you know, it's important for us that are active and out there seeing people do shit. Um, if you stand by and you allow abuse or you allow... Um, things to happen that shouldn't happen, you're complicit, 100%, because we all have free will. God gave us all free will. And if you stand by and you allow somebody to, uh, to abuse their oath and, you, and you're just there, then you're complicit. You're just as guilty. So although it's not easy, you have to take the steps to tell somebody and you have to go through the proper channels to get a re restitution and you have to make sure that you do something about it because... That's not why we do what we do. Because one, listen, we are, we are the only profession, I would dare to say we're the only profession where one guy does something bad and the 850,000 sworn law enforcement officers are judged by that one person doing something shitty. Mm -hmm. And we're all held to, to this standard that's unreal, right? Because what, over 200,000 malpractice deaths happen in this country by doctors? And you don't see people call to defund the police, defund surgeons, defund nurses, defund doctors. No, but one cop does something stupid, and it's defund the police. Every cop is bad. It's bullshit. Yep. And you see, and, and, and to keep to take that further, you see with this, this whole defund the police. I mean, we, again, that that's so deep, and you see how that's affected is how, how that's affected law enforcement now because you have so many agencies uh, that that are short. You know. Um, yeah. they're, just, they're short. Nobody wants to do the job anymore. They're underpaid. They're underappreciated. So guys don't want to do the work. That creates more of a strain on the guys who are still a part of the job, like myself, uh, yep. Rick, uh, that, are, that are still a part of it that, you know, it affects us because now you're shorthanded. You know, I, I, I work, my squad, we worked this week with, you know, you got COVID. So I got a couple guys out with COVID. 
and then you got a couple vacancies and then you start doing that. Now you have more guys that are working harder to kind of fill that gap. And it goes along against trauma. You know, we talk about all the time. There's a critical incident and critical incident just doesn't mean that it has to be this, you know, this active shooter or this homicide. Any, right. any scene can be critical. A, 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 a 1050 Frank or an accident that involves a fatality could be uh, critical. A suicide could be critical. A natural death could be critical. You don't know what the, what the deal is. And I think we don't take enough time. There's not built-in times where officers have a time to kind of decompress between calls. There's been so many times where I went from one critical incident dealing with the death to another. Yeah. And, I'm going, and I'm bouncing back and forth. There's no time for me to kind of sit back and say, you know what? I got to go to the office and I need to sit and think and just kind of get away from this for about an hour or two to kind of get my head straight because that last call bothered me. Um, you're kind of forced to kind of get ready, get the report, get it in, get in service, get ready, get available for the next call. It's just that yeah. rush. So, yep, yep. Hey. You got to decompress. You hey, Angel, decompress. I know, you, I know, you've been out of it for a minute, but uh, not to put you on the spot, NYPD, the officer that was sleeping in his car in between shifts, is there, is there some sort of mandatory or was there uh, amount of hours where you needed to have between shifts? I felt <laughs> terrible for that guy. So you're supposed if you're scheduled for a shift, you're supposed to have six hours mandatory between your shifts. You're supposed to have six hours. Now, if you pick up a shift on overtime or you end up while you're on your shift down at Times Square or doing the ball drop or whatever it is you're doing, and then you get a notification from the grand jury saying, Hey, you gotta be at a court at eight o'clock in the morning to go testify in another case then there's no, you know, it is what it is, right? You suck it up, you sleep in your car, you sleep down. The problem is, right, and I had this, I faced this a lot when I was a cop, you know, you don't want to sleep in the lounge a lot of times, right? Because you, 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 you guess what? You work in the ghetto, guess what your precinct is like? Your precinct is like the projects, right? You got rats, you got fucking water bugs, you got roaches running around. So a lot of times you don't want to sleep on the couch because you got things crawling on you. So you'd rather lay in your car and get four hours of good shut eye in your vehicle in your pov rather than be downstairs on the couch and you have roaches and rats and shit crawling over you so i mean yeah technically you're supposed to have six hours between your tours but if you get notified for court in the morning then it is what it is you got to suck it up buttercup mm. i just felt bad for that guy c got quiet i get nervous when he's quiet because that means the wheels are spinning <laughs> he's like who's this bald dude talking so much shit <laughs> You mute, mute, you're on mute, you're on mute. He put himself on mute because he's it's past his bedtime. No, man, you guys, you, you guys are hitting the points, man. I don't believe in talking just for the sake of talking. I understand that. I hey, that. you got an interesting one to the earlier question about your wife. You can't hide anything from her. She's in. Well, the, she's can. on the job. All right, That's a great question. I was going to speak on that, but uh, both of these guys actually touched on it to a certain extent. So my wife's a police officer, but she's still my wife, right? Um, so the dynamics of marriage are are not different with that being said i can freely talk about what i did who i chased who shot at me who whatever what i do uh meter to a certain extent is necessary maybe how i feel about it you know what i mean like she hears all the gory detail of what i saw uh but jr probably knows more about it how i feel if that makes any sense yeah uh, of course but angel definitely hit on it um when I've been to these post-critical incident seminars with spouses that were outside of the job, the men, usually it's men, but the, the, the member uh, often tries to protect their spouse by not sharing. 
But like Angel said, what that comes out to be is you're turning into an asshole and you don't talk to me anymore. And I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> when I say that earlier in the call, when I say that the spouses usually get just as much, if not more, from these post-critical incident seminars is because they're hearing the other side of what's going on inside their husband's head for the first time or why. Mm. Um, yep. So, yeah, he, he's 100 percent on the money, which is the reason I didn't have to speak on it, because if you don't let them know something, share something with them. They're just going to think you're turning into an asshole. Yep. I, like I appreciate it. you, man. It's the truth. It's the truth. My wife's retired detective as well. And, um, you know, we worked different, right? I was, I was a patrol guy. I was, uh, you know, knocking heads, kicking the door down. You know, I was always the first one through the door, you know, last one out, out the door. Um, you know, she was different. She, she did a lot of admin work. She did some patrol work, but she was, she did a lot of admin work and I was out there busting my ass. We got, we got two, we, we, we started off together. Uh, that's how we met. We were working together as shift partners, but, uh, we definitely had two different interests, two different passions yeah. and took two different routes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was different, right? I was, I was bringing the guys in lumped up, and she yeah. was, and she was talking to them, holding their hands, asking them what happened. You know, what did the big bad police do to you? And it was me, right? I was the big bad police. So it's different, but, but the perspective, she, she, she understood it, right? She, yeah. She saw, she saw the stuff going on, and she was like, okay, hold on a second, you know. I can tell that this one affected you this way, or this person is sticking with you. Like, take a break. You know, um, it's good that they that they're able to actually see what we go through and say, "Hold on a second, I know you. You need to take a break. You need to talk about this." Yeah, and so I'll tell you, uh, I've referenced it before when the three of us have chatted. But with my wife being on the job, it took me several years to realize, and this goes both ways. When she's telling me about her day, she's not asking for feedback, criticism. Uh, it's, it's not a review. It's just I'm venting. Uh, it took me years to stop giving that unsolicited uh, feedback. <laughs> However, the reason I stopped going into certain detail is because I don't want it either. Uh, right. And yeah. I was I was the let's go get it. You know, I come home. I yeah. Like, man, I was in a chase. We chased him. We caught him. We ran. She was like, why? <laughs> What? <laughs> we we had two different, very very distinct, different approaches and appreciations for the work. Yeah, she knows more than you anyway. You, you I mean, you, 100%. you never know what she does. I don't even have Google on my phone, man. She knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody had mentioned before, you know, asked about. I know you kind of can't. You probably came in kind of late. Uh, I think Shaq asked about the two officers that killed him. Said that's kind of what the initial. Uh, we talked about it in the beginning. Everybody's kind of heartfelt about that situation. It's very tough. It's very sad. We talked about how we want to try to make uh, resources available for, for officers in that situation. Because we don't know what they were dealing with. You know, we're not here to judge a money money quarterback. You know, you know, I think the, the child is going to be cared for. There's not, there's, not one, there's not one law enforcement officer or one uh, part of human being that's not going to be willing to take that, that child. So the, I think the child is going to be 100% taken care of. It's sad that those two young officers uh, took their lives, um, but we need to try to learn from this and 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 try to get those. And we've been doing, we've been talking about this. You know, you know, we, we talked about this for years. We just got to stop ignoring it because um, it's important, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of officers out there who are hurting, you know, and who are sick, you know, and you know the sick can't help the sick, bro. You know what I mean, so you got you got to get well, you got to get healthy. So it's 
Uh, so we were out to dinner with a good friend of mine. It was his birthday today. We took a, and we went out to dinner and we were talking about this over dinner. And um, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, right? That's the best way I could say. Um, and it's a very, again, we don't know what they were going through. We, we, you know, we don't know what led them to this, right? Um, it's a selfish, selfish act. Um, and, and I think that, in my humble opinion, 99% of the people that do it, if, if they had a second chance and not pull that trigger and, and, and they knew what they left behind or the damage that they were doing, they wouldn't do it. It's just, it's such a, a, an impulsive, crazy, um, I, I shouldn't say crazy, it's such an impulsive uh, decision. It's a, such an impulsive thing Extreme. that they do. And it, it's selfish. It is. It's a selfish, it's a selfish act. Yeah. And it's hard because like my, like I said, my first partner killed herself in 1996. You know, I still want to know why, why? Like, why didn't you talk to me? Like every day we spoke, I used to tell you, I loved you. I used to tell you, you know, and, and, and still you felt that this was better than talking to me. This was easier than talking to me. Why? You know, what didn't I do for you? What didn't I present to you that didn't, that didn't give you the comfort to come to me with this and put your burden on me so I could help you, you know, all that guilt, that's real. You know, when, when you lose somebody to suicide, that guilt stays with you forever. It stays with you forever. It's been 16, it's going to be 16 years. And it's like every day I think about her. I named my daughter. I named my firstborn, my daughter after her. Wow. Because she introduced me to her mother. Um, I say her name every day. And I want to know why. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, Andrew, let, me, let me throw this out here as a, a concept, and then I want to hear from you. So, as officers, if we go to a call with an absolute stranger, and they make statements or comments that lead us to think that they may be a harm to themselves or others, right? There's not an officer under the sound of my voice that may ever watch this video that would be like, ah, I'll pray for you and just leave. But if another officer makes statements or comments, then we're like, all right, well, I don't want to get them in trouble. I don't want them to lose their job. I don't want to get them jammed up. Now, I think those of us present on this call know some resources and, and probably are in tuned enough to, to know how to handle that. But what do you, what do you say to that officer? It's like, yeah, I think he's, you know, on the edge right now, but I ain't trying to get him jammed up. What do you say to that guy? Having live what you've had to live i i think that you have to take it serious right it, it can't be just the call you can't just look at it as a call for attention um you can't attach the stigma to it that we all attach it to a, a weakness of uh you know unnecessarily vulnerable um you know uh you're being a coward or you know, we have to get out of that warrior mindset where we think that, you know, um, a call for help is just, eh, it's not that serious. You're, 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 you might upset that person. You might even lose that friendship forever, right? They might never want to speak to you again. But guess what? If you get them that help, they'll still be alive to be pissed at you. Mm -hmm. I'd rather somebody be alive to be angry at me than be dead and wonder why I didn't do something to prevent it. That's real. That's real. No, I agree with that. All right. So it, it, it's a tough one. 
St. Lucie one hit us kind of hard. We've got two people that are very, very close within the agency. And like JR said, we spoke about this a little earlier. To put this into perspective, in the last three years, if you think 2019, 2020, and 2021, we're talking almost 500 law enforcement officers killed themselves. 500 in the last three years. Just to put that into perspective, in most cases, that's a mother, a father, a son, a daughter, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle. Like each each one of those numbers is a name. So I'm torn because specifically our organization for the last four years, we've been hitting it hard and we've helped a lot of people. And I'm damn proud of the amount of people we've helped. It's frustrating because we can't help everybody. And clearly it's not working. So like what I was saying earlier, more needs to be done. I'm, I'm happy that I'm sad with what happened with these two deputies. I'm heartbroken, but I'm happy with the amount of coverage it's getting across the country. Yeah. And I'm hoping and praying that maybe it's a catalyst to wake some people in this country up because I saw this on Fox News. I saw this on international news. I saw this on TMZ. I saw this on People. This was bigger than just your little law enforcement forums, your law enforcement groups, your law enforcement sections. This was everywhere. It hit people. My parents in New York were telling me about this. I mean, and, and it should wake people up. But you know what? Every one of those 500 over the past three years should wake people up. Something's not working. And we keep telling people for the last four years, reach out, reach out, reach out. Somebody commented earlier, do I think we should have mandatory, do we think there should be mandatory mental health evals every six months? No, I don't think there should be a mental health evaluation every six months, but I think people should be given the opportunity to speak to somebody on an annual basis, but that person's gotta be trusted. It's gotta be a vetted person. It's gotta have no affiliation with the agency with right. command staff, with politics, with all that stuff. And yep. we're at that point where it's, I don't want to target somebody, but we're at that point where we have to be the ones to reach out. If you see somebody that looks like they're having a tough day, man, pull that person aside and let them know you care that you're there for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because sometimes we don't know what somebody's truly got going on. Social media is fake as possible. I was sitting, I, I was you know, there, there's some of us sitting in the funeral from St. Lucie County. And I got to tell you, man, the, these pictures that you'll see, you know, we put one of the pictures you can see in the backdrop. These, both of these deputies, young, attractive, successful warriors, everything we heard sounded so damn good. But clearly, everything was not so damn good. Yep. So, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I, I feel like we failed. And I'm not saying the agency. I'm saying like we in this profession, our organization, we can't help everybody. But every time we lose somebody, especially in Florida, it hits us, man. It, it, it sucks. It sucks. Um, the problem. So the problem is there's no there's no fix. There's no just like complete fix. Right. Because everybody has different issues. Um, you have police officers. Um, that before they came on the job, they've been through traumatic experiences. They've been um, in abusive relationships. They've been molested. They were veterans. They've been at war. Um, there's a lot of things. What we have to do as a subculture is say, 
Don't say, hey, I'm here for you unless you mean it. Don't put your number out there. Don't make yourself, don't present yourself as being available when you're really not. Don't pretend that you're going to be answering your phone at three in the morning um, when you won't answer your phone at three in the morning, right? We have to make sure that we're there for each other the real and the right way. If we can't present ourselves in the real and the right way, then don't do it. Because there are people out there and anything can trigger it. It could be a song on the radio. It could be the smell of a certain food. It could be a fucking drink. It could be whatever, right? A show on TV, a memory of an ex-girlfriend or an ex-husband or an ex-boyfriend or whatever that triggers you at three or four o'clock in the morning. There has to be a way to reach out to somebody, like you said, that isn't tied to the department that says, hey, hold on a second. Uh, talk to me. I got 10 minutes for you. I got 20 minutes for you. You need to get this shit off your chest. You need to talk to me, and I'm really going to be available for you. And we can't just do it. It says window dressing or checking a box. It has to be sincere, and it has to be. I think that there should be a network of, of, of police officers, retired and active, throughout the country. That There's a 1-800 line like they have for the veterans, a suicide prevention, where you could reach out to people at 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon and say, hey, look, I got to talk to somebody. And I don't want my guns taken from me. I don't want to be put on desk duty. You know, I don't want to take, be taken out of my patrol sector. Um, I want to continue to be, be a police officer and serve my community. I just got to get this shit off my chest. Yeah. And the thing is, those, those resources exist, but most people don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. right. Right. Or most people get frustrated when they call them. Um, we've heard recently from two separate sheriff's offices, from, from deputies within two separate sheriff's offices, that they've got these peer support teams and that conversations within have gone outside. Oh, that's I mean, two separate agencies in two separate areas, no affiliation whatsoever. So to your earlier point, if you're going to be one of these people that are going to be there to help, man, do the job. Yeah. And don't let it turn into gossip because yeah. gossip doesn't help anyone. I tell that to my, my employees now that I work for. I teach active shooter training and workplace violence stuff. And I'm like, listen, the last thing you want to do is let anything become gossip. Because once it becomes gossip, it, gets, it turns into a whole different animal. I mean, this, this, it compounds everything. You talk about frustration embarrassment um of being mortified being angry feeling self like loathing when it comes gossip turns shit around completely man it, it completely gets ugly completely to this comment we have a peer support team but everyone knows everything there see yeah. worthless it's worthless it's worthless that'd be confidential man that's why that, that was what i meant when when you say you're gonna be there be there and and shut the fuck up like you know keep shit Keep shit tight. Keep shit tight. And that's the thing about that's the thing about this profession, man. It's like a fucking drama. I mean, that's just Hunger Games. It's just it, bro. It, everybody's out depending on where you are, everybody everybody else be a bunch of you know, a bunch of people that don't want to see you grow and that's the issue. That's when I say we have you know, I, I tell CDs all the time, like we have to stop eating our own. Like that's what it boils down to. We have to stop we have this terrible, terrible habit in law enforcement where we just eat our own. We don't do anything to reach out when when guys these little behavioral issues that people go through, um, these outbursts. You know, let's say you experience an officer that that uh, gets a DWI or an officer that is involved in some type of. Defense. 
there's no way that there's, there's not been a sign that that person has exhibited that somebody couldn't have spoke up on. Like that yeah. stuff doesn't happen out of nowhere where all of a sudden this guy's a great cop. And next thing you know, he has DWI. Like there has to be a gradual drop off and somebody has to notice that and pick up on it. Um, and, and, and say something about it. You know what I mean? Like stop, stop gossiping. Well, I think so-and-so's not doing so well. I think so-and-so like, don't be that person. Like go and confront that person, go and ask them, extend a helping hand. If you don't want to be that person to go and extend a helping hand, then find somebody who will reach out to them and, and, and care for them. And like you said, be quiet and shut up and let it be done. You know, if it doesn't, if it's not, if it's open anybody, it doesn't need to be said is what it boils down to. If it's, if it's not positive, it's not trying to help and encourage and uplift somebody, it does need to be said, man. So, I can't stand that. See, I'm, I'm upset with that last comment that just came in. It says, I learned the hard way to not tell anyone at work, even when I need help. Oof. It's heartbreaking. That's hard. But I'm thankful that people like that person, I'm intentionally not mentioning the name, but I'm thankful people like that person come on here and see the four of us. I can't tell you how many people reach out, either a text message or a direct message on social media, and we're able to just listen oftentimes yeah. people just want to vent and we don't need to know your name we don't need to know your agency we don't care about insurance because nobody's making money off of this stuff we just want to be there we just want to help um jr i want to touch going back to earlier this whole conversation it epitomizes why it's so important to have supervisors i'm not blowing smoke but it's important it, it shows why it's so important to have good supervisors somebody like yourself that's in tune with your squad you recognize what's going on. You see the behavioral changes in people and you care. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a supervisor, man, I hope you're doing it for the right reason because you really should be accountable to your squad. Your squad should feel comfortable coming to you with a problem. Otherwise, get the hell out of the way, man. You're doing the whole agency a disservice. Yeah, it, it starts with you. It, start, it, it starts with you. That's why I said it's so important on that first line supervisor. I check with every last one of my guys. I got five out right now that are on, on COVID. I've called since they since they've been out. And there's a ten day requirement for them to quarantine. I know the CDC says five, but we're giving them ten to kind of yeah. that way try to close the spread. But every every day or every two days, I've reached out to them and say, "Hey, how, how's everything going? How are you doing? Don't talk. I don't talk about work. How you feeling? You need any food? Need somebody to bring you something? How's your family doing?" Is somebody caring for you? You know what I mean? And that means something to them. They might not tell me, hey, Sarge, I really appreciate that. But I guarantee you they're going to go to somebody else that, that work in the agency and say, you know what? Like, I haven't had a sergeant or a supervisor call me and just, you know, ask how I'm doing. You know what I mean? That means a lot. I have a 17-year-old veteran that's on my squad currently at this point. And I was out on baby leave um, for three months. And I called him multiple times. And I said, hey, man. How's everything going? He's like, no, the work's fine. No, not work. How's home going? Right. He's like, and at the end of the conversation, he said, Sarge, man, I've been doing this line of work for 17 years, multiple agencies, and I've never had a supervisor reach out to me and ask me how I'm doing. And especially a supervisor who is out on leave caring for his newborn, you're still asking and checking on me how I'm doing. How I'm doing. I didn't say anything about the job. The job's going to be there. That's That's – Long gone before I retire, before I die, before the, the job's still gonna be there. But yeah. what's important is how are you doing? You gotta ask that simple question. That shit's free, man. Nobody, you know, that shit, shit's free. That's free morale that you give out. Just ask your guys, look, you, let them know that you care. Let them know that you wanna be there and you better help. That's how you do it. You don't do it by just, you know, tear them down to the ground. Hey, guys, great job. That doesn't yeah. mean, you know, yeah. it, 
means something more when you're asking, hey, do you know your kids? Do you know your coworkers? Do you know their wives' name? Do you know their kids' name? Do you know what type of sports and things that kids are into? That's the shit that's going to make you elevate as a supervisor. That's what's going to change the culture of this profession when you really uh, – supervisors don't – and that's why – I'm sorry I'm going on a rant, but that's what pains me so much about this job. You know, there's Everybody talks about pay. Everybody talks about pay. You're not going to get in law. You don't get in law enforcement to get rich. If you're getting into this profession to make money and get rich, you are doing it. You are doing yourself a disservice. In the wrong place. You're in the wrong. <laughs> go do some other shit where you can make eighty. That's yeah. work. This is not the profession. So get OnlyFans. Get OnlyFans. Get <laughs> but the thing is, is that we have all these agencies, and there's there's so many young cops coming into work now. They're like, I'm so paid. I'm so underpaid. Yeah. Yeah. It does matter how much an agency pays you if the culture is still shit it's not going to change that's right toxicity is toxicity it doesn't matter how much you I, pay. you know and to, to, to your to, point to that point it's going to be people i'm telling you now there's people in local agencies that are here in north carolina that are taking 10 20 000 pay cuts to go to other agencies for a peace of mind and the yeah. happiness to be supported more important than anything yeah yeah that's important and it's go. not it's not just to your point and what you're saying is a, a Has to be senior officers too. It doesn't. It, it just shouldn't be the sergeants and the corporals and the lieutenants and the captains. Yeah, has to be senior guys. One thing I never understood was the part of the culture where you you don't talk to rookies. Bullshit. Talk to the rookie. Tell them how they had to handle shit. Because guess what? If that's the only backup you got when the shit hits the fan, you want them to know what to do. You want them to be confident. Yep. We have to get out of this machismo bullshit where we can't be vulnerable. Right? It's okay to be vulnerable, especially as a senior officer. You know how many times when, when I left patrol, I had I had 14 years, almost 14 years on patrol. I, I talked to everybody and anybody and tell them about, you know, the job and, and, and talk to them about what's going on and what's happening. Senior officers got to step up too. That's facts. Too. That's facts. Yeah. I got to run, fellas. Um, we're I got to take my doggies out. We're, we're going to wrap this up also. Thank you for joining us. This was kind of on the, on the spot, man. man. Appreciate, I appreciate you, man. Always you good guys to stay you. safe. You guys stay safe. I love you. I'm here for you. If you need to talk, please hit me up. We can talk. Well, let's work it out. God bless you guys. Happy New Year. Blessings to everybody. Bendiciones, like we say in Spanish. I got to go. Salute, OG. How's it going, brother? All right. Later, fellas. All right, so we'll we'll wrap this up with the three of us. Um, hey, man, C, let me turn to you. Give us like a, a minute or two. Your any words of encouragement? Any summary from this whole thing? What's on your mind? You know, as we talked about a lot of different things, right? We talked about marriage. We talked about career survival, longevity, uh, mental health, toxic the the, the morale, right? I think all that comes back down to humanity and putting the humanity back in the job. Like I think it's JDEB 954 referenced some humanity earlier. Um, if we treat our coworkers the way we want to be treated, golden rule. If we treat citizens, golden rule, um, subordinates, the way we want to be treated. Um, if we're taking care of our basic needs, making sure we're personally healthy, well, well rested, well fed, fit, put the humanity back in the job. And I think it goes a long way. Dot, dot, dot. 
Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, this is this is great. You know, I, I think uh, we we had a really great audience tonight. I think for it to be spurred a moment, in which we said it would be no agenda. Normally, you have something written down. You have some type of itinerary you're going through. And uh, nothing. It's nothing, bro. And these are a lot of times these are these are the best ones. So, um, looking forward to kind of continuing our relationship and what we do here because, as I've said it before, those of you who missed it. This is something, us three, we do this every single day. Uh, it just hasn't been a day gone by. Sometimes, if we're all busy, but it hasn't been a day go by where somebody doesn't pop up and say something. And the good thing about it is that, a good thing I like about our group uh, is that we don't always agree on everything. There's been some times where I've said something that's controversial. You guys are like, no, I, I have a different take. It's not, you know, it's often that we kind of disagree on things, which which I appreciate because it sharpens me and gets think on different levels and kind of get your, your take on things. But uh, for those of you who are out there, those officers, uh, law enforcement officers who are here, um, you know, keep fighting. Um, there's somebody out there who, who appreciates you. I appreciate you, even though that you may not work for my agency. Uh, but don't wait for a leader to arise. You are a leader. Yourself. You can change the culture from your position. It doesn't have to be somebody with stripes on their collars or stripes on their sleeves to change that, that, that culture. Take it upon yourself uh, to change the culture and be that pillar in the community and the pillar in the department that people need. Uh, it's important that you do that. It's important uh, that you stand for something because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. All right, man. That's a great segue to finish this up. My two cents is exactly what you just said. If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. You stand for nothing, especially these days with all the stuff going on, being put in these no win situations be smart, take care of each other. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't just bow my head for a second regarding our brothers and sisters in St. Lucie County. Um, everybody's got stuff going on lately. The fact that we've had almost 500 law enforcement officers the last three years speaks for itself. Um, we were talking about leadership earlier. I got this book on my desk, The Courageous Police Leader. Phenomenal book, phenomenal read. For those that are into reading, uh, like you guys said, this was no agenda. And I love when we get a good audience with these questions because it kind of guides us. It, it assists us in having these conversations. I love seeing the new faces, the new names and everything popping up. We're here. All, the three of us are here. Angel's here. I saw Drew Breezy in here earlier. Man, there's resources out there. Just reach out. That's it. That's all I, I got. I put my Stay number in you said what? I said I put my number in the comment. I, I stand by that, man. If you call and I don't know your number, I'm probably not going to answer. I don't even answer Rich <laughs> half the time. But if you text me, I will respond to a text. You will. So, we, you know, we talked about having those nationwide network and resources and anonymity. Uh, for those that may be in North Carolina, I know all the resources in North Carolina. If you're not in North Carolina and you want to talk to somebody who doesn't know anybody that you know, feel free. Shoot me a text and we can connect. Hey, JR, you're, you're right, by the way. C never hesitates to tell us when he's right and the two of us are wrong. That's yeah. real. That's real. Got to do that. <laughs> hey, the, the last thing I'll say, uh, you don't mind, we'll take a little bit of time after this yeah, to kind of debrief tonight, man, because I think uh, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity because this is something so great going on. There's been a lot of feedback, a lot of comments, a lot of new faces. Um, I would love for us to find this and expound upon what we have the foundation that we've set here, and open that door. I think it's going to be, it'll be huge for South Florida in the future and, and whatever that our choosing to expand. Any way we can help expand Team South Florida, of course, for conversation. Great, man. So let's not let this be the last time. 
happens. I think a lot of people appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen. Peace and love.